the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better parts, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. It's hard to say no to that second piece of cake to just one more episode of your latest Netflix binge before bed, to volunteering for council and taking on one additional volunteer role when you've been asked oh so nicely. It's especially hard to say no when we have been so conditioned to say yes. As Episcopal priest and writer Barbara Brown Taylor puts it, at least part of the pleasure of saying yes is knowing that someone wants you. This may account for the seductive, seductiveness of the word, especially in a can-do culture where the ability to do many things at high speed is not only an adaptive trait, but also the mark of a successful human being. As much as most of us complain about having too much to do, we harbor some pride that we are in such demand. In other words, we want to be wanted, to be accepted and validated and loved for the things we do, so much so that it's hard to say no. In our struggle with saying no, we might find some resonance today with the story of Martha. And in that shared struggle with our sister Martha, we start to understand and empathize a bit more with her. Too often we hear this story and we're told that Martha is wrong and Mary is right. But it's really not that simple and I don't really think it's that helpful of an interpretation. Shaming someone for doing what they should be doing when they're already doing so much only increases feelings of shame and unworthiness. Martha wasn't merely distracted by all of the household chores, the cooking, the cleaning, the entertaining. Martha was distracted by her diakonia, her service, her ministry. Martha was so compelled by a sense of duty to her vocation, that it absorbed all of her time and energy. And more than that, we can sense in Martha's diakonia, her service, her work, a conditioning to say yes in order 
to be needed, to do what is expected of her in order to earn the love and appreciation of others. Jesus' initial response to Martha is noteworthy. Simply, you are worried and distracted by many things. That's just a statement of fact. There's no judgment in that phrase. Jesus acknowledges that Martha has a lot going on. He meets her where she is, quite literally, in her own house. And he affirms and validates her work and her service. Jesus doesn't chastise Martha, but he invites her to take a break, validating her personhood apart from her work, as if to say, you give so much to others, now be fed yourself. The work, the service is good, and it doesn't define Martha. There is grace in saying no. Sometimes we need to hear the no from someone else, and other times the no might sound a little harsh. The elite of ancient Israel were distracted in their own way. When will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? When can we go back to making more money, even if it means exploiting the poor? It is to these elites that Amos preaches a no message. In an overly simplified crash course on Lutheran theology, we might call this no and yes law and gospel. The law shows us the reality of our sin and brokenness and Without anything else on its own, the law offers no hope for those who fall short. But of course, the gospel doesn't leave us there. This good news tells us who stand hopeless before the law that there is a way out, that there is forgiveness and freedom beyond the consequences of our sin and brokenness. But the interesting thing about that gospel, that yes, that good news, is that it's irrelevant and meaningless for those who think they have no need of it. When our own stubbornness distracts us and obscures our perception of just how off the mark we are. Those to whom Amos is called to preach on God's behalf are entrenched in their own stubbornness looking out for their own self-interests and well-being at the expense of others. The people need to hear an uncomfortable no. They need this wake-up call to get their attention and to call out their selfish nonsense. And so enter Amos's message that we've been reading these last two weeks holding up a mirror to their stubborn self-centeredness and the ways that they were hurting those around them. Now, if that's where the message of Amos ended, a resounding no and a word of judgment, 
Well, that would be pretty hopeless and dismal. But just as the gospel without law is meaningless, the preaching of the gospel, or the preaching of the law without the gospel, well, that's spiritual abuse. As if to say to ancient Israel, you messed up and there's nothing you can do about it. You perpetuated the suffering of others and now it's your turn. Well, that's not good news. That's gloating. And it would make Amos no better than those to whom he was sent to preach this message. In the very next and last chapter, Amos prophesies, I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen, says the Lord. I will restore the fortunes of my people. I will plant them upon their land, and they shall never again be plucked up out of the land that I have given them. After all these visions and oracles of judgment, Amos still ends with a word of hope and a promise of restoration. God's final answer to God's people is always yes. God cares about God's people too much to let us keep going on in the ways that harm ourselves and the people around us. God's love for us is too strong to give up on us. First, God says no. God says no to a system that tells us and our sister Martha that we are what we produce and that we are only as good as what we can accomplish. God says no to a system that only looks out for the interests of an elite few at the expense of everyone else. God says no to practices that abandon the heart of God's teaching and law rooted in love of neighbor. God says yes to all that is life-giving and rooted in loving concern for the whole community. God says yes that the work, the diakonia, the service that we do is important and it's not everything. God says yes that we are loved unconditionally apart from anything that we do. It's a hard thing to say no. It can be even harder to be told no. But God's no is an interruption to the status quo, whether it's a welcome interruption or not. God invites us to stop, to come back to God, to come back to the community, to come back to our beloved selves, and to sit at the feet of Jesus. God's no interrupts our business as usual and invites us to hear God's yes, an abundant and life-giving hope and promise for us and with us.